Hello and welcome to Sugar Free TV um, for another episode and we are so excited today to have a fantastic guest with us, Jason Linart. Welcome to Sweet Liberation, living the sweet life without sugar. Join us as we explore a world of sweetness beyond sugar where health meets flavor. I'm Nabila Files Gutierrez. And I'm Luke Goddard. We're on a mission to break free from the sugar trap and show you how sweet life can be. Uncover science, stories, and secrets for a rewarding sugar-free lifestyle. Meet experts and entrepreneurs who've embraced sweet liberation. Discover benefits, success stories, and wellness while chasing dreams. Embrace sweet liberation. Let's begin. Hi, Jason. Hi, Nabila. Thanks for having me. So, so excited to have you here today and to continue our conversations in the theme of talking about what's happening with the world today in with regards to nutrition, diet, fitness, sugar, all of those things that are getting us uh, the results that we've seen in the world are catastrophic right now. And I think we've, I'm sure you're going to have a lot to say. So, Jason, thank you so much for coming today. My pleasure. Yes, thank you. So tell us where you are in the world and tell us what you do, Jason, because I know that you have particularly put a bit to say on this subject. Sure. So I've, I've yet to find a nice, succinct way to say this, but I'll try to keep it as short and sweet, pun intended, as possible. Um, so my name again, Jason Leonards. I am the owner of a brick and mortar personal training facility in Northeast Ohio in the U.S. called Revolution Fitness and Therapy. Um, we just celebrated 14 years of business, so that's pretty cool to say, especially in the post-COVID you know, COVID world, if you will. And uh, I also do online nutrition coaching under Dr. Spencer Nadalski in a platform called Big Rocks Nutrition. So I've been involved in that for about a year and a half, um, which opens me up to a much broader base of people than what I can access just in my brick and mortar facility. Um, so yeah, that's Professionally, that's what keeps me busy. Personally, I am married to a woman who is far more beautiful than I deserve. Her name is Marissa. I have two beautiful boys, uh, Jackson, who is 15, Sebastian, who is five. And uh, on the personal front, that keeps me also quite busy. Um, as far as our conversation here today goes, a couple of other things that may um, be sort of footnotes to our conversation. Um, I do have something of a dog in the fight with regard to conversations about sugar. My mother was late diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, so I've had to help kind of help her navigate that world and understanding how to look at her meals and meal choices. Again, she was diagnosed very late in life, so it was, it's been kind of surprising for all of us to see her go through this experience. And uh, I am a recovering drug addict, so that is something I've been clean for about 17 years. I know some people kind of stand on a fence that Things like sugar have addictive properties, um, so I, I have I have a little bit of background in addiction. So um, you know maybe some touch points as we go through this conversation, but hopefully can just be uh, as as helpful as possible to your audience. So fantastic! This is going up. Great, great, great. So I know you're kindred spirits with Luke because he's uh, he's also got a background in uh, in sports. <laughs> awesome! Awesome! Yeah, well, and also my mother being type 1 diabetic for 50 years. Uh, yeah, and that's one of the things that is so, yeah, very, very hard, particularly as a child growing up around it and seeing somebody injecting uh, every day and suffering with hypos uh, and, you know, the, the, the effects of things. And also, as you said, touching on the sugar, 
Uh, and, and actually, Nabila, the other day we were introduced, we had a really great podcast and somebody said, have you seen the Eric Clapton video on YouTube about addiction and where it all started? And his was his, his journey was actually sugar. It started with sugar sandwiches back in when he was a child in the 70s. So, yeah, very much uh, something that is close to, you know, in, in terms of the open, uh, the availability of, say, sugar as a product to children. Uh, and that is something that is the thing that is part of the thing that I sort of campaign very strongly for. Uh, yeah. The production. Yeah. yeah. So what do you what do you say, Jason, about what's going on with sugar these days? And and in, obviously in the work that you do and your amazing work in your and your bricks and mortar business and also in your virtual coaching and um, support that you offer, kind of what are you seeing in people's nutrition and you know uh, their relationship with sugar? Sure, it's a, that's a great question, and um, I mean I think we could probably make an episode just off that question yeah. alone. The the one thing that I think we can we can all agree on is that sugar is something that is quite easy to overconsume. Uh, when you look at the ways that it is uh, involved in the things that we uh, that we eat, uh, not just you know sugary treats like cookies and cakes and things like that, but also even in condiments. When you look at things like ketchup, um, you know where it's it's available there, um, and like a lot of things, you know, there's not a lot that the health and wellness community. Uh, openly agrees on. We can pretty much all agree that trans fats are not good for people, mm. and we can we can agree that anything done in overabundance can be problematic. And so, any chronic overconsumption of foods is going to lead to its own issues. Uh, you know, and, and then you have to sort of take some of these sample subsets together. There are the people that naturally tend to gravitate towards sugary things, and then you also have to look at the other subset of people that naturally gravitate towards things that aren't sweet. That's just not what what appeals to them, but they might go for more savory things that could also be easy to overeat, such as chips and crackers and things like that. So, you know, trying to understand really where where the individual is. The other component of it being, what is the conversation that we as wellness professionals, for lack of a better term, are having? Is it a, it is a warm, is it a caring conversation? Is Or is it one where we start to really demonize what's happening out there. And I think when you get into the, to the part about things being good versus bad, good versus evil, um, healthy versus unhealthy, is where you start to kind of draw a very fine line in the sand. And what it potentially does is it gives people this feeling like, if I'm not good by whatever standard, then I must be bad. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was, uh, I, it was interesting because I knew I was going to be having this conversation with you all this week. And uh, my mom, who I mentioned before, is also a business owner, but she owns a flower shop. And she was very busy this past weekend because it was Mother's Day. So I was helping out around her shop and she had some snacks available that were there. So one of the things that was there was a bag of popcorn. And this particular bag of popcorn, the brand is called Lesser Evil. And I understood why it was called that because it was a vegan popcorn. It was a butter flavored, artificially buttered flavored coconut oil that was used to make the popcorn. So their branding, their message is lesser evil. Okay, so we're not we're not advocating the use of, of animal products. And again, we have to ask ourselves like as coaches and as people who are trying to basically market to the masses because we want people to live the healthiest lives possible. Is this the most caring picture that we can paint? Do we really wanna be talking about good versus bad? Or is there a way to have a more productive conversation so that people don't feel like they're either completely on the wagon or off the wagon 
uh, you know, uh, an analogy that uh, can be uh, either productive or counterproductive depending <laughs> on the person. So, so I'll I'll step back for a moment and 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 let the conversation breathe from there. So. Oh my goodness! I mean, you are singing from there. Look at Luke's big smile on his face. Absolutely singing from the same hymn sheet. I think one of the things I've seen is so many of my family members um, going through this kind of yo-yo dieting and psychologically the damage that that has on uh, somebody who is doing that on a lifelong basis. Just constant this feel feeling of guilt purging and just all of this kind of stuff going on all the time it's psychologically so damaging the relationship with food is damaging for them that they're in it's a really toxic cycle but you know we we just see that we kind of want to create an environment where we can have peace with food and create that environment that healthy lovely environment where we can enjoy being together as a family without this battle ensuring over the table about what's good and bad you know if you have a party or all the party food is is oh i was naughty today i was bad today i this is toxic are we we very much believe what do you think about that luke yeah absolutely and the thing that um is you know really great to to have conversation a conversation with you jason because obviously you're bringing the two elements of it as well together because you're bringing the of uh, the awareness of the this nutritional side with also the, the the health and the fitness side because without the two things being married together you know it, it you know it, it's not really you, you know it becomes something that isn't um people need to understand that there's more elements to it don't they not just the the single you know just, it's not just dieting you've got to take a, you know an eye on what you're doing as well health wise and even the moving around you know getting yeah. people moving as well as Food. It's just it just uh, over the last, especially a few years with the pandemic as well. I mean, uh, I don't know about the states, but I can imagine it would be very similar to the UK. You know, we were all locked in and sedentary, and um, and what we saw as is an uptake of people baking. You know, they were baking and they were comfort eating because they were stressed out. Mm-hmm. And I just think I understand we were all in the same stressful situation. It didn't impact me in the same way. I did not go and buy the sugary food because I was already sugar free by that point. But um, but yeah, I can I don't have any judgment on people that were feeling so despaired and so in need of comfort during that time. And when you kind of make friends with them through that and speak to them in that kind, compassionate way. It helps them and sometimes it releases. I mean, have you seen that in the work that you've been doing, Jason? It sounds like you're on the same page around that. Yeah, you know, but you you brought up really what I think is just a shining example um, with with the pandemic and certainly with lockdowns is, you know, historically, and you know, I, I guess I can say this with the benefit of hindsight, you know, we prior to COVID, we as coaches would tell clients, well, you know, maybe you need to eat out less. Maybe you need to dine at home more because you'll have more control over what you're cooking. You'll be, you know, more in your environment where maybe it is a little bit more conducive for things like fat loss and being able to control, you know, if you're someone who tracks your macros, you'll have more say in what's happening with those because, you know, we know that restaurants are there to get you to come back, not necessarily to save your waistline. So, but what we found is that when you trap someone at home and say that, sorry, you can't really go out in the world the way that you've known it, and you give them this new unknown that none of us have ever had to face before, then what you find is maybe it wasn't so much about being at home. It was about having the best coping skills that you could possibly have for yourself. So all of us saw a different face, even of ourselves. And I mean, those 
several weeks. Well, I, I so I'll, I'll say, you know, specifically uh, and anecdotally, my world changed in the, in the middle of March, 2020. You know what I mean? It was like everything changed. And on a professional level, it was that way for six to eight weeks where it was like, oh my God, what the hell is happening? And so then you have to kind of dial it back a little bit and go, okay, so how am I coping with the things in my life that I actually have control over? You know, what's happening with my, the dynamics of my marriage? What's happening with the dynamics of parenting? How am I taking care of my health? What am I putting into my body? And so again, depending on the way that you comfort yourself, uh, this could either be a really good time for you to focus on the variables that you can control, or this is your holy shit moment where you look back and go, oh my God, all I'm doing is self-soothing through food. And that presents its own problems. So then when we came out of lockdowns for, for us, no surprise, a lot of my clients gained weight because stress eating. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember going to the supermarket just before we locked down for the first time and there were people like pushing trolleys with like 10 bottles of gin. They were like, they were planning like lockdown party time. They were like all the food and all the booze. And they were like, we're going to be locked in. We're going to have a good time. Of course. Like, all the toilet paper. All the toilet paper. <laughs> and I just, I was not, I mean, everywhere. people would be walking past me the supermarket laughing at what they could, you know, what they were putting in their trolleys. Because it was just like, you know, this was just like a, this is the end of the world, so we might as well make a good, good, a good you know. There. But yeah, they were stressed out and worried, you know, didn't know what was going to happen. So I just don't feel any judgment towards people. Uh, but the statistics are, are pretty uh, sobering, actually, in the UK. What happened with children's weight, with adult uh, obesity rates going up, um, you know, and obviously the, the, the health risk associated with obesity and covid the, the two together was, was like the perfect, well, imperfect storm, you know. Uh, so, so yes, yeah, so how did you handle, uh, the, you know, the the when you when you touch base with your clients afterwards? How did you kind of reconnect and get back to where you were before? The first thing was just to get them moving. You know, we were we were in a good position that because I have a already an online community for my current, you know, for my active clients. You know, it was a we were very transparent about, hey, obviously we've got to shut down in terms of being able to take you here. We're going to flip everything over into virtual training. So we're going to offer workouts that you can do that day with minimal equipment because that was the way that we could essentially stop the bleeding. Because for some people, the way they looked at what was happening was, if I can't come to the gym, I'm not going to keep paying to come to the gym. And other people were like, well, I can't come to the gym, but I want to keep paying because I want to have a gym to come back to. Oh. So we have to both ends of that spectrum. So we wanted to try to give as much value as we could to the clients that we had. And once we were able to basically reopen and bring clients back in, um, it was about, first thing was just, let's get you moving. Let's, let's just have, let's have our community back the way that, you know, we knew that it was prior to the middle of March. And then it's about just trying to offer the best support that we can for what's happened with the diet, because we know that invariably something has changed. And because we still weren't out of the woods, we were still all dealing with the virus. We were still waiting on a vaccine, whether people chose to have the vaccine or not was another matter altogether. But we were we were waiting. We were waiting for a solution. So in the meantime, it's okay. We have no control over the virus. We have no control over the vaccine. 
We have control over what we put in our mouths. We have control over the way we move our, move our bodies. And for those who need it, thank God we have things like virtual therapy mm-hmm. who need mental health support because, again, it's it, it was a, um, oh, what's the term I'm looking for? That was Everybody was using this term in 2020, um, not unparalleled. Uh, but but like Look, unprecedented, unprecedented. Thank you, unprecedented. Had a, had a complete brain fart. So <laughs> unprecedented thing that we were all experiencing together, and no, we didn't know how to react to it. So it it sounds really simple, but it's number one, let's get you moving because we know that you can still move. And number two, let's just try to come back to what are some good coping skills that we can do with your diet to support the goals that you had prior to the world essentially just erupting. So yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, okay, I can see Luke keen to ask questions. Yeah, and I mean, well, one of the things I was going to add to that, actually, that the the thing that I found actually during lockdown was that it was so you were so uh, it became such an insular thing that actually even going to the supermarket was a bit of a day out, you know, just to get the, just to get the things just to you know to try and break that deadlock of things. And it, I think there's two elements to that in terms of the mental stress of it is that it wasn't just the fact that you couldn't go out because. If you could go out and were allowed to, you probably didn't pull it through. But it was the fact that you were being told you couldn't do it, so that's why it was doubly uh, oppressive in many respects. And uh, and so yeah, and no, I know I get why people were eating more and not moving around very much. They probably felt really bad. Um, and you know, in terms of getting people to move around, it you know, I mean presumably with people once they've been sedentary for a while, it's a bit of a slow start. Yeah, when you know, not just. Not just a slow start, but you, by that point, we already had clients who had been infected with the virus. So they'd gone through that period of a couple of weeks where they're, they feel however they feel, because obviously I'm, you know, at this point we've either all had it or we know someone who's had it, we've experienced it. So, you know, it was trying to learn, okay, what, what is the energy level of this person coming out of having had the virus? You know, how much do we have to dial back the intensity of their training? Um, and so the nice thing is, is that basically, no matter how much the virus impacted you, everybody can still walk. Okay, well, cool. If the best thing that you can do is walk, let's go for a walk. If you can't jog yet, we'll wait till you can jog, assuming that you even like jogging. Um, but just learning how to dial back the intensity of the training so that it was like, the best thing you can do is move. And then when you're ready, then we can always scale up. You know, the, the good thing about owning a gym is there's always a heavier weight. So we can we can get back to it when we need to. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, well, one of the things that I found actually as somebody that was involved quite a lot in cycling is that actually as well, there's another bit of a gotcha in terms of the exercising. And that is that if you're busy as a sports person, you're exercising a lot and you're eating the calories that you need to fuel that sport, when you suddenly start, you know what it's like, right? You know, when you suddenly stop, you still consume those same calories. <laughs> Massive gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you bring up an amazing point, which is, you know, when we look at things like certainly in America, when you look at, say, uh, well, I was about to say professional, but this is not going to be correct because I'm talking to two people in the UK. So when you look at American football players yeah. and the the stature and the size that they have to adapt and keep on to be able to do that you know, that position quite well, when they decide they finally want to retire, it's like, hey, you've just removed all of this activity from your life. You can't continue to eat three, 4,000 calories a day and expect that weight's going to stay stable um, yeah. because 
the expenditure has changed so much. So yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's eye opening for sure. Sure. Yeah. And what I find another last point I was going to make on that that I find a challenge as well. And that is that I a few years ago got into the sort of five two where the fasting uh, we yeah. do you know five hundred calorie fasting a couple of days a week. And the funny thing is about it is you suddenly have lots of time because all of that time that you could be using to prepare a meal or eat a meal. I was like, well, what do I do now? I've got all this spare time, and I've got to try and fill it with something. That's a challenge. I, you know, I that's I, you know, I know people struggle. Yes, so yeah. So go ahead. Sorry, you're about to say. No, no, no. And I, I think it's one of those things too. You know, for the individuals who it's safe and beneficial to do different, you know, varying types of intermittent fasting, and God knows there's there's lots of different varieties of doing it. You do, I mean, you have to look at your day a whole lot differently. As you mentioned, you know, the fact that you're no longer prepping meals, now you have all this extra time. For other people, it's like, okay, I know that I'm going to have these hunger cues. What am I going to do to keep us all busy so that I'm not thinking about food? And so, again, just sort of watching that process for each of those individuals who undertake it is always just very fascinating to see. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I wanted to ask you uh, about, about what your approach is around sweet eating food and those kind of addictive behaviors around eating what let's let's pretend let's role play now if one of us with your client maybe i can volunteer to say okay so and and i'm coming to you to you for some support and advice and maybe i want to hit the gym and start so where how would you start that process and and kind of what is your what is your advice that you give around um sugar reduction or approach to eating sweet foods so the first thing that I like to do, and again, oddly enough, a lot of this was informed by what happened with COVID. So to kind of give you a little bit of background, prior to COVID starting or you know affecting the world the way that it did, when individuals would come to me for a consultation, we would do tape measures and we would do body fat comps, and I would you know I've got software that we could crunch all these algorithms, and I could give you the most black and white, most emotionless look at your food. So. This is the calories that you need to sustain. This is what you need to consume to be able to reach your goals. Here are your macro targets and go. And when COVID hit, um, we no longer wanted to be in close proximity with each other to do things like body measurements. So one of the things that was helpful for me was around the same time that things were happening with COVID, I was picking up another uh, nutrition certification. So coincidentally, the certification that I was working on at that time is UK-based and it's Mac Nutrition. So I was working on that certification at the time. And one of the tools that we were using in that program uh, was essentially a 24-hour recall. So I've started utilizing more of that because it helps me understand a little bit more what is what does the current diet look like for an individual? And it's assuming that, you know, with anyone, that what they'll tell me is as factual as it can be. Because some people will come in and they will tell you every gory detail about their diet. And some people are more withholding because they don't quite trust you yet. So you have to kind of understand that, you know, there's both sides of that, that coin. So Nabila, in your case, it would be kind of a similar thing. I would ask for a 24-hour, you know, food intake and just, hey, tell me everything that you eat and drink in the span of a normal 24 hours. And then once I get that breakdown and can kind of see the snapshot of that, then I might ask as well, okay, so that's a regular day. What does an irregular day look like? What is it? What's a day that's not quite the norm look like? And so for a lot of people, not all, but for a lot of people, the diet's fairly consistent Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The variability happens somewhere between Friday and Sunday because that's when we want to eat 
social. That's the end of the work week. That's when we're so tired and we're so stressed and we're so excited that the weekend is here that it's like, you know what? I just want to let my hair down. I don't have hair to let down, but (laughs) I'm going to let our hair down and we want to have fun. We want to have the drink. We want to go out to eat. We want to have something of our social life. So then the question is, how do you eat on those days? And then we see a little bit clearer picture. Okay. So this is a, I, again, I don't like these words, but I'm going to use them because it's what's in This is a good day. This is a bad day. Okay. <laughs> so let's, let's look at it without judgment. Yeah, yeah. And so in your case, if you were coming to me, and this was before you had adopted more of a sugar-free style of eating, you may have had a diet that was higher in sugar mm. for, for you. And I'll, I'll give you an interesting example here in just a moment, but we'll, we would look at that. And so I would ask you, so is this an area that you want to improve or Nabila, what, what do you think you need to improve on in your diet right now? And I would let you tell me, well, you know, I, I think I, I really have an issue with sweets. Okay. Well, tell me about that. Okay. Well, you know, this is what happens. This is when I feel like I'm, I gravitate more to sweets and this is where I feel like I need sweets the most, or this is when I feel like I crave sweets the most. And then trying to understand, okay, in the grand scheme of things, is this really a problem? And so let me give you a a very pointed example. So I've been coaching for 15 years total, and I've only had one instance. And I'm going to give you a very, what I consider a very extreme example. Um, A few years ago, a client came to me. Now, this is a client that trained with me here at the studio. She came in. She knew some other people that worked with me. And she came in and she said, hey, I, I want to get started. I need a kickstart. Um, I want to lose some weight. She and I had in common, she is an addict in recovery. So she was both a drug addict um, and addicted to alcohol. And so she had cut both of them out of her diet. And somewhere in the process of being clean and being sober, she was also increasing her sugar intake. So she said to me in her 24-hour recall, I eat a lot of sweets. Now, I've done this a long time. And I said, what does that mean? Because I'm thinking you have a couple of cookies every day. Or every, you know, like once a week you eat a whole sleeve of Oreos, whatever it is. I was ready for it. When she gave me the recall, the recall was over 60% sweets. It's the most I've ever seen of anybody. And I say that again, zero judgment. I don't care if your diet is 90% sweets. But when we detailed it, it was cookies. And it was donuts and it was things that aren't, they're not sugar in isolation. They are sweet fat combos that are very easy to overeat. Cool. So then I asked her something that would not necessarily be something I would ask of most people, but because we both have this addiction background, I asked her something that would be a little bit left of center. And I said, would you be willing to give up sweets for a, predetermined amount of time without hesitation. She said, yes. I said, okay, here's what I would like you to try. I would like you to try to give up sweets for 30 days. Caveats. If you don't make it 30 days, if you get through two weeks and you're doing great and your body feels great and everything is great. And then you have your oh shit moment, which you will have. If you have the cookie or whatever, I don't want you to berate yourself about it. I want you to get right back to the plan. So if on day 15 in this 30-day plan, you have a cookie, you are not a bad or good person because you had the cookie. It's just a cookie. And then I want you to get right back to the plan 
and we soldier forward. And then at the end of 30 days, let's reassess. Do you feel like you have a little bit more control over these types of foods in your diet to start to incorporate them in some degree back in? So again, now we're going to look at dietary adherence. And this is really what makes or breaks it for any client. Same for Luke, same for Nabila, same for Jason. What's going to help you adhere to your diet? So I think that we can probably all agree on this. There are some people that if you let them have one thing, one thing that they're really going to enjoy, a really nice piece of chocolate, a really nice homemade cookie, that's all they need. Give me my little piece of joy each day or every other day that I can look forward to. And then I won't feel so deprived. And I will do anything that your crazy bald ass asked me to do for my diet because you've given me that that thing, that thing that gives me happiness. Cool. That's that's one type of person. There's another type of person that says, you know what, right now, based on all of my life stressors and all the things that are going on in my life, right now, I need to take a break. I need a little bit of abstinence. And so let's come to an agreement about what's a reasonable amount of time to just step away. And again, no judgment, because the moment we feel judged is when we start to kind of step away and go, if you're going to judge me, then I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to have all the sweets, all the alcohol, all the pasta, I'm going to have all the things. Yeah. Our, our inner child wants to rebel. Yeah. So trying to understand, okay, there's there's these types of people and then there's everyone in between. So, you know, Nabila, in your case, what I can assume, and I don't know a lot about you beyond us getting on this call, is that you had a point in your life where you felt sugar was winning and you weren't. So you okay. said, okay, based on all of the things going on in my life, I'm going to make this change and I'm just going to, I'm just going to see. I'm going to see what happens. And so you start to adopt this, this style of living, this style of eating, and you're like, huh, I feel pretty good. At some point, you reach the point where you're like, you know, I don't feel that same calling. I don't feel that same urge. But I'm a normal human being who still wants to have something sweet. What do I do? Yeah. Well, then I start looking for sugar alternatives. And there's nothing wrong with the sugar alternatives. Um, you know, mentioning my mom being type 1 diabetic and us just finding this out just a handful of years ago. My mom and I are both from little towns in Tennessee. And if you don't know too much about the geographic U.S., we are predominantly in the South. And one thing that we all came out of the womb with is sweet tea. So imagine imagine your tea and then imagine it with a boatload of sugar in it. And it's super sweet. It's, it's sweeter than a Coke. Um, so we grew up drinking this stuff. And it's my mom would rather have a sweet tea than water any day of the week. So how do we get it to work? Well, once my mom found out that she was type 1 diabetic, it's like, well, I'm not going to stop drinking tea. But what is a way that I can sweeten it that my blood sugar is not going to do this? Yeah, exactly. So she went with Stevia and she found she found one particular brand of Stevia that tasted good to her and she tried countless variations of stevia but she found one variation that she's like i can get this to taste the way that i want it to taste so that i can still have something that i can find yeah yeah so this is where again like as long as we have a flexible approach to what makes nabila thrive what makes luke thrive what makes jason thrive or jason's mom or jason's wife um <laughs> then then we can bring things back to like a sense of normal and again, we're not going to judge. We're just going to, we're going to understand 
where are you coming from? Where do you want to be? And how do we get you there? And how do we do it with the, with the least amount of resistance possible? And then we have a, then we have a plan for success. So, well, I, I think I talked for a long time. <laughs> that was, I'm just like, that is brilliant. Fantastic. I, I, I love the story of, of, of you know, uh, finding different approaches with different people. It's not a cookie cutter situation. People are different, diverse, and they have, you know, different needs and drivers and things like that. So yeah, my need was cake. I need, I needed cake in my life. I, I, I get it. We, uh, <laughs> oddly enough, we have a, and it's funny because this just came up in our Facebook memories just recently. We have a video of my little, my little guy, his name's Sebastian. Um, Sebastian will be, he'll be six in August. Oh. Oh, we have a video of him when he was about two crying, but he's sitting on the back of a chair. Oh, cake. Oh, because <laughs> my, my wife was cutting pieces of cake and he wanted a piece so badly. And it's, you know, you look at it now and you're like, wow, he still acts like that, but it's still classy. Yeah. yeah. That should be a gift. That should be one of those memes that you're like, put out there. <laughs> exactly. Every, every girl in the world understands that one. <laughs> so yeah, that was my driver. I think Luke's is cooking. <laughs> I'm a bit, I'm a terrible uh, cookie addict. And uh, I mean, I, I got into the journey when Nabila told me about this. She said, you can't possibly put five spoons of sugar in your Starbucks. And I was saying, yeah, and I'm going to dip sweet cookies in it. And I'm going to have my 3000 calories in one 15 minute coffee. Yeah. No problemo. So yeah, no, I absolutely it's terrible sweet tooth, but that is the, again, the background of, as I mentioned, you know, seventies child, the bowl of sugar was there. You sprinkle it on your cereal and then it sweetens the milk. You just grind it in at the bottom and then you drink that. And, you know, you could probably have 1500 calories in a bowl or, you know, the uh, shredded wheat, wheat bix, cornflakes, any of these things. But what's really comes across, Jason, it's lonely is that to hear is that you're very passionate about the clients and the people you're working with to help them. That, that's lovely yeah. because that's our, you know, we have a mutual mission there that we love the people that we are trying to help. And therefore, as you say, not be judgmental. You know, we are where we are today. We've got to look at that and help people with the solutions. Let's move straight through to, I say to you, Nabila, don't I? We go straight to solution. Let's not focus on the problem today. Let's move through to a solution and see how we can help and, 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 and serve. That is it. You know, that's our mission. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's just such a, it's a great attitude to have. And I think with your background in coaching is, uh, you know, so similar actually with the, when people say, oh, what do you do? Oh, well, I was a midwife for, for sort of nearly two decades. And uh, midwives in the UK are pretty much coaches. <laughs> that's what we do. That's the kind of, that support and that kind of like getting stuck in and getting your hands dirty with people and just really like getting on the same side of the table as them to help them through whatever they're going through in life. So I can I can feel that passion in you. So, uh, so there are no enemies, but there are solutions. And mum follows stevia. Stevia and I don't get on very well. Oh. Yeah, it, and it, it's, that's that's the thing is it it doesn't you know it doesn't agree with all people. No, um, it's, I, I I have clients that are like, oh, I hate the taste of stevia, and I won't buy products that have stevia in it. And that's you know the the beauty is we all have different taste buds, so we're we're gonna have to find the thing that works. And so when I what when the opportunity came to be on the show with you, I wanted to learn more about your products because I thought, well, you know, there's gotta be there's gotta be a sweetener that's there for someone who no, has we'll send you some. We'll send you some. 
opposite. <laughs> but we'll set you some. It, it, yeah, I mean, not, not that this this particular episode is about our products, but it literally does feel, look, and taste like sugar. And it's like, it's sugar. It's, it's not sugar. And then you can have a mini argument with people because they're like, it's sugar, it's not sugar, it's sugar, it's not sugar. Anyway, so, so we'll send you some and you can try it for yourself and make some, you know, real cakes and all that stuff. But uh, fantastic. So then you're taking somebody through that journey. And so now I want to know a little bit more because I have been a gym bunny a few times in my life. Not at this point in time. I'm a laptop laptop person right now because we are so focused on business. And so my hands are very, very fit. But that's about the only part of my body. I need to hit the gym soon. Are you into into more of a cardio, hit training? Like what is your secret? Are you into lifting weights? What is your secret sauce for bringing fitness to your clients? Yeah, so so it's a great question. Um, and I'll I'll try to I'll try to pose this from all angles because again, it's gonna speak to different people. The the very first thing is you gotta move. If you're going from nothing to something, just move. And if the if the the barrier to entry is getting you off the couch, then let's just get you walking. Let's increase your step count. If you've already got that problem solved, if you're already, you know, like, okay, I've so I've got my handy dandy Apple Watch and I can see that my steps are going up and if I've been tied to the keyboard all day, my hips are probably going to really appreciate it if I just go out and go for a walk or take the dog for a walk. Um, then we're probably going to need to do some degree of resistance training because muscles, that really, you know, valuable commodity that, you know, you use it or you lose it. And I was telling this to a client the other day, there's really no aspect of life where you can't afford to be stronger mentally, physically, emotionally. I mean, look at the world around us. This is not a world that affords us the luxury of being weak. So um, while I'm not a competitive power lifter by any stretch of the imagination, nor would I ask anyone that doesn't have the desire to be that, look and see ways that you can utilize strength training, utilize resistance to get yourself stronger. If you don't know what you're doing, hire a personal trainer. Even if you do it just for a little bit of time, find a community that makes sense to you. Find someone that you you think you like their their style and their approach. And and you go, okay, I, I think I want to learn how to make this equipment work. Because what's one of the worst things that happens for someone who doesn't already adopt a strength training program is they walk into a gym and they're like, I don't know how to use any of this stuff. It's all super intimidating. Those people are on steroids. That was a little bit me. You know, you know, and and this is why we're, you know, you kind of said at the, at the beginning, we're losing. Well, one of the things that we're losing is getting people moving. So how do we bring them into a gym type atmosphere long enough for them to either embrace it or take what they need and go, you know what? I think I got what I need to from this program. I'm going to buy some equipment from for home and then I'll be able to do things on my own. Um, so it's lifting weights. It's, it's getting people better at lifting weights. It's getting people comfortable and confident with the ways that their bodies move. If you do things like running or yoga or spinning, keep doing them, but learn the value of cross-training. Learn learn the value of being able to get your body to move in different planes and understanding, wow, I, I didn't know that I could do this. I didn't know that I was this strong. This is really cool. Um, so that's, that's the other part of it. And then when the person's ready, somewhere along that spectrum, maybe you do have that conversation about what's happening with food and is the way that you're eating, is it complementing the way that you train? Um, there's a there's a running joke. In fact, I think I saw this meme sometime back that said, so you don't like cardio? Maybe you should start eating like you don't like cardio. Basically meaning if you're, you know, if you're someone that doesn't really enjoy all the endurance work, 
then let your let your food complement the activities and the goals. I'm built like a runner, but I don't run. I've always just been a skinny bastard, so I've probably got some genetic benefits there. But I'm also in the gym 60, 70 hours a week, constantly moving. So my step count averages about 15,000 steps a day. Wow. Plus, I'm having to move thousands and thousands of pounds of weight because we're trying to set up barbells and all that other stuff for clients. So movement isn't something I'm lacking in. <laughs> Recovery <laughs> might be something I'm lacking in. But yeah, kind of a long winded response. Maybe we need meditation first. Yeah. I'm the meditation queen. We'll do a skill swap. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah. And I'll be trying to encourage Luke. And, and I, I mean, Luke, it's, it's going to happen now because we get, this is the pressure is on for the two of us. We go at some point, we're going to go and have uh, some sort of retreat or holiday in Balearic Islands. And so, um, you know, we, it, there's some pressure going on here. And I don't know if you know anything about the Balearic Islands in uh, in in Spain, but there's a lot of very nice looking people on the beach. So there's there's my pressure that I'm going to get myself fit. <laughs> I said, you, you, give me two months heads up. <laughs> you, you have some good external motivation, and you've got a good head start to go. You know what? I'm just going to start lifting and feeling better about myself, so that should I feel so inclined that I want to flex my muscle for a picture, <laughs> I'm ready to do it. Yeah, nah, you, yeah, yeah. I've, I've I've done some I've done some weights in the past, and I absolutely loved it. I did my five by five training I was doing at one point, and I got to deadlift my own weight, which was good. I was like, this is yeah, the girls can do it, and it's so much fun. I love lifting weights, but yeah, I I think I don't have any muscles at this point, so I make it very easy, you right? You do, plus you. <laughs> They're just, they're, they're sleeping. You just got to bring them out of hibernation, but it's, I'll, I'll say this. It is, it is one of the most empowering things to see when you take someone who either has been inactive for a while or has always been inactive just to get them back in, start them slow and just go, look, that's muscle memory. Look what you're capable of doing and then just build on it and take your time because we've got the rest of our lives to get this sorted out. It's about taking care of yourself. The food that you put in, the way that you train, the way that you, you know, appreciate what your physical body can do. Um, you said at the beginning, it's a holistic approach. So you got to look at all of it. Um, so, yeah. Well, my, my, Luke, tomorrow morning, I'm hitting the chip. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm there. So you better give me your update and we'll update with Jason. Yeah, and I'll yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think I'll start with the deadlifts straight away jason i'll just be very gentle because i'm at that stage of my life menopausal women with you know less muscle mass so i just need to take it very easy oh easy oh easy yeah now they're in here i don't want any injuries or slip discs <laughs> right right exactly right yeah exactly oh fantastic this has been a brilliant conversation we hope you can come back and then we can give you our updates yeah we'd we'll we, we, love to have a yeah yeah, we'll send you. We'll send you some of our uh, sugar replacement, and you can make a cake, and then you can catch up with us, and you can see whether we've gone to the gym or not. <laughs> yeah, okay, that, that's that's a deal. That's a deal. <laughs> do you have any other questions, Luke? I can see you. Um, I know what we're going to do. We obviously put link your links into the yeah, bio. Tell us well, we can reach out to you. Um, and you know, do you have any? Uh, have you got anything like uh, any eBooks or things that about or, or leaflets or anything that's uh, product wise that um, we can create links to as well, Jason? 
Sure. So let me let me think the best the best things to send you. So uh, if you like reading, um, my my website for my blog is jasonleanarts.com. So as long as you can spell my last name, you'll be able to find it. Um, so there's lots of blogs that are that are there if you just want to be able to just, just a bunch of free information and do what you will with it. Um, I have two books that are available on Amazon, both in physical and Kindle versions. I would probably tell you to lean towards the newer one, which is called A Revolution a Day. It's probably the one that would be the most helpful. I released it yeah. uh, in 2019. Uh, it's like a daily devotional for people who are health-minded. So it will get you through the span of a year. Um, right. And then I'm on Instagram where I'm putting out a lot more nutrition-type content that's on there. Um, so you can find me on there and look at all of the completely bizarre ways that I use my sense of humor. And uh, <laughs> if, if you feel so inclined, we also have the Big Rocks Nutrition Instagram page where you can see what Stable of Coaches is doing for those people who are looking for online nutrition coaching. So I'll try to cover all bases there. Well, that is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, that is great. We'll put all the links but below this video so people can reach out to you. Oh my goodness, what what a great conversation we've had. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank very, you. very nice. And we hope that you come back and at some point we'll continue our conversation and you can hold us accountable to our progress, hopefully a bit less sedentary and a bit less laptopy. I'll tell you what, these wrists are, they, they can do all sorts of things very fast, typing, but not quite hitting the gym yet though so yeah. tomorrow Luke you need to hold me accountable I'm in the gym well, I'll do that I'll get you <laughs> well, it's been an absolute pleasure Jason and, uh, and as I said we'll, we'll post the links below this video and it's been a pleasure we hope you'll come back soon for us to continue our conversation about everything to do with lifestyle nutrition wellness and a bit of sweetness but hopefully without too much sugar all right okay. it's been a pleasure Jason Thank you for joining us on this sweet journey. Stay inspired and sugar-free. Tune in for more sweet liberation insight. Until next time, live sweetly and stay liberated. <laughs>